and welcome back to another exciting edition of Rate Desk. I'm your host, Michael Thomas, here for the first Rate Desk interview ever. Very excited to have from the Sterling Group, Director of Real Estate Finance, Bria Nunemaker. Bria, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you here. Bria, you've been at your role for a while. Tell us a little bit about your background and that of, of the Sterling Group. Sure. Um, the Sterling Group, we're a fully integrated real estate firm uh, with a development, construction, management, and investment branches. And we've been in business for over 45 years. Uh, started with rural development apartments in small communities in the Midwest and moved through the tax credit business. And now we're mainly focused on market rate product properties in the Midwest and Southeast. Um, we also have self-storage portfolio began began in the 80s and have grown to over 38 facilities and uh, growing. Wow. And I, I know you've been there uh, quite a while and you also have a CCIM. So you're pretty well versed in the whole um, real estate finance arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I've. I've been with Sterling for 26 years and been working on um, numerous transactions um, for the last 20 years and um, learned a lot through the CCIM program as well on just overall real estate development and investment. That's right. Well, in today's electronic world, the finance department is kind of where, where all the, where all the documents flow to, right? We're trying to, close loans and do things like that. So really glad to have you on the show. Um, Let's just jump off into the first uh, question I have, which is, you know, between construction and and acquisition, I believe you mentioned that you're split about 50-50. And of course, there's different debt markets for different types of um, activities. Um, What kind of drives your debt choice in the various, you know, construction or acquisition type activities? Great question. Um, For new apartment development, um, it depends on the location of the property uh, due to the Davis-Bacon wages, but we're typically financing projects with HUD 221-D4 product. Uh, It's a great loan product, has great terms, 40-year terms with 40-year amortization. Their rates are pretty low, and they offer non-recourse during construction. So as long as you can manage their process and timeline, it's a great financing option. Yeah, that's great. And on that note, I figure since this is rate desk, I'll just mention looking at the HUD rates today, they have come down recently. So uh, we're looking at a 223F, uh, 35-year fixed at about 250 today, not including the uh, MIP. And then looking at a 221D4 at around three and a quarter, not including the MIP. So so very low rates there. Um, good to hear. On um, other types of um, kind of switching gears and talking more about other types of debt um, that you use when it comes to shorter term, like an acquisition, for example, where you may need to have um, a faster closing. Uh, what kind of debt choices do you make there? And what kind of rates are you seeing in those markets today? Sure. Uh, So a lot of times, and it's mainly going to be on your acquisition um, type loans, it's agency financing, or we look at a bridge loan through a bank, maybe local or regional. Um, 
in the agency, you're typically uh, able to get close to 75 to 80% loan to value, and they're able to close within that 60 days. Um, on the bridge financing, uh, if you're going to want to look at that if you're doing um, potentially some value add uh, component to it, and um, those typically are able to close within uh, 60 days as well. Uh, on a bridge finance, you're going to look at maybe a, a 30 day LIBOR or now SOFRA, um, plus anywhere from 250 to 325 spread over that. And right now, the agency financing, if you're looking at a 10 to 12 year loan, you're probably around a low 3% range up mm -hmm. to 340. Okay. I know their spreads have been coming in and moving. Recently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've report. I've reported in the past in this show that you know we've seen a um, an increased spread from this year based on where we were last year between agency debt and HUD debt. In other words, agency debt is more expensive in comparison to HUD debt this year than it was last. Um, you mentioned. Um, I, I think we were talking before this about interest only. I know that's something that. Um, is preferred. Does that add much to the interest rate cost uh, in your experience based on the terms you, you request of interest only? Um, no, uh, you don't really see much uh, increase in their spread in going the interest only. They're going to mm -hmm. look at the exit price, I guess, is how they size your debt. So it may have an impact on your debt sizing, but not okay. typically your rate. Gotcha. And are you seeing when you go agency, like the leverage goes down if the market is smaller is typically mm -hmm. what are you what I've seen? Yeah. Yep. Um, or if it's markets um, that they don't have as much confidence in, they may mm -hmm. reduce their uh, loan to value percentage down to 75% versus 80%. And what's your non-starter on leverage? Do you have one when you're saying looking for perm debt? If you can't get a certain leverage amount. Is it just like a no-go or how do you, how do you kind of approach that? Well, we like to typically get on an acquisition or agency financing 80% mm -hmm. uh, loan to value. If we're needing a higher leveraged deal, that's when we look at the HUD 223F because those are um, typically 85% loan right. to value. Um, in which case, then you need to get your bridge financing to bridge your uh, debt until you can get through the HUD process. Um, but usually it's getting pretty tough, especially with the market the way it is right now and what you have to pay for assets. It's mm. really tough uh, to get deals to work once you fall below that 75% loan to value percentage. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I could see that. Um, as far as I know, green initiatives and sustainability is important to your organization. It's also important when you're in financing because there are incentives to do so. With mm -hmm. HUD, you get the lowest mortgage insurance premium when you're qualified green, uh, 0.25 or 25 basis points. There has been an update, um, as, as you know, to the FHA MAP guide in 2020. And um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on what is the impact of going green with HUD um, and then with other stuff, but you know, initially with HUD, uh, how do you see uh, kind of tackling that going forward? 
Um, sure, great question. Um, typically on HUD financing, we're really only looking at that green MIP on our new developments um, because it's typically uh, cheaper to incorporate it in your overall um, build to uh, meet those requirements um, than it is to retrofit an existing product. Uh, now, if a product is newer, and has been built to meet certain, maybe a uh, bronze level on the green initiatives, uh, then you will likely qualify for a green MIP on a refinance. But typically on HUD, we're looking at those on new development. Mm -hmm. now, now for agency financing, they do more of a percent of improvement over the usage of either electric or water. And mm -hmm. usually your consultant will give you a list of items that you can do in order to meet that percentage. And you can go through and pick which ones are most cost uh, effective to choose to meet those percentage increases. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's a little bit easier um, to use the agency green initiative on existing product than it is HUD. So an agency, is it um, just a reduction to the interest rate or how does that work? Because they don't have MIP, right? Correct. So typically it's anywhere from 10 to 12 basis point savings in your uh, spread on the interest rate. So it depends on the size of your loan, if it makes sense to uh, put the money into the asset uh, to obtain that savings. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then the other newer addition of it was the water um, aspect of um, going kind of green with water is, is a newer thing. Has that something you've looked at in the past? Have you had any challenges with, you know, tenants not love, liking low flow toilets or, you know, just how do you approach that sort of water conservation in, in, in new construction? Well, you have to sell it to your residents that it's saving them money um, because they're actually paying the water bill. So if you can um, explain it to them that it's a, a saving, you know, on their monthly expense for them on a monthly basis, they're generally um, able to uh, agree to it. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Um, well, jump, jumping back over to sort of the, um, the bridge financing, the interim financing, you did mention it's a, it's a spread over LIBOR is what you're seeing and you're using that. Um, are there any specific best practices around these recapitalizations that you can share or things that you think work particularly well? Sure. Um, I think if you are looking to recapitalize on an asset, and especially if you're looking to hold on that asset for um, more long-term, 10 years, that's where your HUD 223F financing comes into play. And if your bridge loan provider uh, does the HUD financing as well, a lot of times they will size that uh, bridge loan on that HUD takeout. So then when you are going to execute your HUD financing, it, you're able to maximize your HUD loan and not get um, limited to the 80% loan to value in the event you're taking what they consider cash out. 
So you're able to maximize your loan proceeds on yeah. that. So we've been successful in doing that on a couple of assets. Um, also, just improving operations during that time to maximize that value upon the uh, permanent financing. That's great. And, and just quickly, I just popped into my brain about COVID escrows because I know we still have them at HUD. Um, they're generally nine months. Um, are you still seeing them on the agency side as well? Yes. And it, it appears they are uh, taking some reduction in those uh, reserves depending upon what the underlying asset is. Um, so they will give that a consideration or accept the waiver for that. But generally, it is 12 months of principal and interest. And then you're able to get it released nine months after your closing date after meeting a debt service coverage test. Mm, okay. So they're at 12 months where mostly HUD's at nine months, although mm-hmm. an affordable can be 12 months. Okay. Sure. Good to know. Yeah. I mean, I know everybody would like to see them go away and maybe we're getting closer to a day when that might happen would be nice. Um, last note on interest rates, you know, interest rate risk, clearly the HUD mitigates that very well because they're fixed fully amortizing for the longest period of any debt product in the market. But how do you approach interest rate risk otherwise, let's say if you're using bank debt, for an example, mm-hmm. on a construction project, and or what do you think about interest rates going forward in 2022 and beyond? Are we in a rising interest rate environment? We won't hold you to it, but you know, I'm just kind of wondering what, what your thoughts are on it. Sure. Um, typically, in our underwriting, we try to include a buffer on interest rates, especially if we're under a construction period for bank financing, and you won't uh, lock that rate for four to five years out. So mm-hmm. um, we look at the yield curve and add uh, anywhere from 100 basis points, you know, plus or minus to what that yield curve is. And we're doing that just to be conservative, at least on the um, aspect of our investors, you know, mm-hmm. to provide them uh, with returns. Uh, and then we'll look at that periodically and make that adjustment in that buffer, depending upon, you know, what we're hearing from different lenders, where they see rates are going to be going, um, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, that's helpful. And then 2022 and beyond, uh any guesses? <laughs> I I would hope that they remain relatively low, at least through this year. But I think eventually we're going to have to start seeing some interest rate hikes in order to slow down uh, some of the inflation that I think will have coming to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean, there was a time not that long ago when, you know, 6% was a normal interest rate. But I think we all tend to forget about that. <laughs> I know we're enjoying these low rate environments for sure. Yeah, we've been at we've been at them for quite a while, so mm-hmm. very interesting. Is there anything else in particular you want to share uh, with us about your perspective or something from the Sterling Group? Um, I guess you know right now it's a good time to be a seller. Um, it's mm-hmm. definitely a seller's market. And um, with the low interest rates that the financing options are able to offer, it uh, has just um, perpetuated that market for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, and I guess one last little thing is sometimes you see cap rates so low that you can have problems with the HUD loan 
sum of rates or loan constant, if you will. Yes. They don't really like that to be lower than, you know, they don't want you buying at a cap rate that's lower than the loan constant. So, mm-hmm. but have you run into that or seen that? No, on? I haven't yeah. ran into that. Um, we stay pretty consistent with our underwriting standards to not get too wrapped up into a bidding war to where you're right. getting running into that. Yeah, that's smart. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be driven more in those major markets like San Francisco and New yeah. York and stuff. So great. That's great. Well, cool. Well, I mean, that's all I have. I'm really grateful that you came on the show. Thank you so much. We hope we can, uh, we can have you back sometime. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Boy, that was a really great interview with Brian Unamaker, Director of Finance at the Sterling Group. Please come back. Tune in for another exciting edition of Rate Desk. I am your host, Michael Thomas, signing off.